Daddy Strong. What's Daddy Strong's <laughs> name? Dad uh, Strong. Harwin or Lionel? L- Lionel. He's just sitting with Lionel and it's like, she likes my miniatures. And he's just like, bro. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Bite Marks. Joining us on this spooky Halloween is our lovely co-host, Callum. Hi, I'm Callum. Pronounce he him. And we have a special guest. Say hello to Hillary from Hills Alive. Uh, hi, guys. I'm Hillary from Hills Alive. My pronouns are she, her. And I'm Emilio, your host for today. We're going to do blood sports. It's black versus greed. What are your pronouns? <laughs> My pronouns are he, him. Uh, I'm just very excited because we get to talk about something that I've been wanting to talk about on this channel for quite a while. Uh, Game of Thrones, specifically House of the Dragon. Yeah, it's the best. It's it's the best show on TV right now, in my opinion. It's very good. I was super worried about it, but they're doing good. The only downside to the show is that they didn't change the intro song. Yeah, that is a pretty funny. <laughs> that is kind of funny, but. Uh, yeah, that was definitely an odd choice given Ramin Jawadi's like incredible skill at scoring. Yeah, like yeah. the rest of the music in the show is amazing, and then they just like use the same song. That sucks. So my my personal conspiracy theory is that when the actual Dance of the Dragons picks up, they're gonna drop like an absolute banger of a a new intro, and that's just gonna be. Oh, the new uh, intro. speaking of the Dance of the Dragons, sorry, uh, this is a very spoiler heavy episode. So if you haven't seen House of the Dragon and you don't know what that thing that we just said is maybe give this one a miss for now or like just pause it and then go and watch the show and then come back yeah we're we're joined by hillary because she is basically a subject expert in game of thrones and uh, song of ice and fire she has a really awesome cha- channel called uh, hills alive uh, my personal recommendation if you want to watch a video of hers that i think is really nice is her theory on uh Fagon or young griff that video for me i think was like really really good because I was totally in the camp that uh, Fagon is actually a Blackfire, but after watching that video, I gotta say my mind is a little bit changed, and that usually doesn't happen, so I think she does a really, really good job uh, of making uh, Game of Thrones theories. Hillary, why don't you just tell our, our audience a little bit about yourself? Um, so, my channel is Hills Alive. Um, I tend to focus on... Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire, House of the Dragon. Uh, my bigger focus tends to be more character analysis driven rather than theories, but I do dot some theories in there. Um, and I guess I tend to, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily a contrarian, but I like to look at the sort of commonly accepted fandom perspectives and sort of question, is this a valid perspective? Is there mm. anything that I can do to disprove this? Um and if there is actually substance to the counterpoint view, uh, it tends to draw my interest. Yeah, I, I don't think we're that, that... notoriously contrarian on this podcast. We so are not. Feel... <laughs> uh, I, I don't think that that counts as contrarianism. I think that's just like the fun of analysis. Mm. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> uh, but I do want to say real quick, favorite Game of Thrones character, go. Uh, Sansa. Oh, What? <laughs> explain yourself yeah I'm, I'm a little bit surprised she's a great character don't get me wrong but like I don't think that's anyone's top one really? I've never yeah, heard no, someone I say Sansa before I think people who watch the show gen- who are like more show people don't tend to like Sansa I think more book readers I think have a lot more because Sansa in the books is quite oh Sansa in different. the books is amazing yeah she's like um, no I guess I just find, I mean, both versions of her uh, sort of relatable or like, I love that George R. R. Martin put a character in a fantasy story who just like, I love her characterization in that obviously most people who read fantasy stories or watch them or whatever, imagine themselves in this fantasy world. And while everyone wants to be a Danny or an Arya or a Bran or a John, like I would totally be Sansa. Like, yeah, someone would kill my dog in the first book, and then I would just be like stuck with every asshole in the entire world, and I wouldn't be able to do anything cool, and I just have to like keep my head down and hope that I survive to the end. I'd be hot pie. <laughs> I've already got the build for it. I've been preparing for this role for years. My. <laughs> 
it, it comes as it will come as no surprise, but my favorite character is Sirio Farrell. Of course, uh, of fucking course it is. <laughs> <laughs> the one sword, the official sword boy. Yeah, well, you know, uh, in my real life, to, to, to speak about your point, Hillary, like, yeah, most people probably would just be like peasants or whatever, stuck to whatever, because most of us would not be lords, you know, but in my day-to-day -day life, or at least in my weekly life, I teach people how to fight with swords. I teach, you know, martial arts and stuff like that. So I would actually be qualified as a, a, a sword, you know, guy. <laughs> not like a knight or anything, because I'm not noble, but I, I could teach people how to fight with swords, and I've been pretty successful. So I feel like I could I could do, like, a serial Pharrell type deal. You could you be know? a brawn, because I don't think you're quite flamboyant enough to be, like, a Bravosi Bravo. Have you seen me fight with my cloak? I have. I, I, I... <laughs> I have, but you don't fight, like, open shirt on like the balcony of a of a bridge at night over a, a shit filled river while cats watch. Yeah, that's because I got work in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe. Uh, I, I have some sort of experience. Maybe I could be like a nameless mercenary type. So a little bit more agency than the average person, but not like an actual lord. Or yeah. Not like a right. Jamie, definitely. I'd probably be a wildling because of the way I eat chicken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, quickly. Um, so, who in House of the Dragon so far? Who are your favorite characters? Uh, for me, definitely, definitely, Alicent and Aemond. Mm. Yeah, yeah, same, same. Mm. Aemond is definitely my uh, favorite character so far. And you, Callum? Um. Hmm. Hmm. Laris Strong. Ooh, that's I, a spicy take. <laughs> I do. I. Do, he's a fucking bastard. But like. I love an evil character. And, um, Caraxes. Oh, yeah. Our, our special wing boy. I love my danger noodle so much. <laughs> my son is strong and healthy forever, please. I do really love how they, like, one, one big criticism I had of the original Game of Thrones series is that the dragons look very similar. And yeah. they really out of their way to make all the dragons look distinctive. Mm. I love that, like, Caraxes just has, like, a really long neck. And no one ever, like thinks anything about it he just has like a really long neck and cyrax right. looks like thin like dot like almost yeah and yeah. vagar and, and... is just like a mountain yeah. yeah you get the you get the sense that like vagar has seen some stuff like she's been fighting and uh, the showrunners and... did not have to do her dirty like they did in the interviews but they were like this dragon has ibs by the way <laughs> and it's like, guys, please do not pull a, a J.K. Rowling on us, please. I do not need to know this. Uh, but yeah, also another good character I think is um, Viserys. I do. Mm, yeah, I yeah. really love Viserys. Paddy Considine fucking killed it in the show. Yeah, he really if he doesn't, really if he doesn't get an Emmy, I will be very upset. Because... Oh, that last episode where like Viserys is coming into the throne room. And he's hobbling, and he's like, clear, so it's so it looks like a Dark Souls cutscene. <laughs> he's got like the yeah. half mask, and he's like, everyone like tries to help him, and he says, "No, I can do it." And then Damon helps him. And I'm just like, right. and he has one good dinner with his family finally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I definitely have been super impressed with Patty Considine. I was like mad at the beginning of the show, because obviously I feel like Viserys is to blame for everything. Yeah. So the fact that he was so appealing and I was like, oh, I would love to be friends with this guy. He just seems mm -hmm. so sweet and, like, innocent. It, I love the I love the fact me. that he has, like, minis. The fact that he has minis yeah. makes him a king in my mind. <laughs> yeah. He has a hobby! How could you not love this man? Like, I love that he's, he's lovable. I love that he's, like, yeah. the least um, capable least cunning least qualified person to be in this yeah. role but he's like, the most friendly the first like yeah. wargamer king you know like actual representation <laughs> he's got like a mini he's got just like a mini version of like valeria and you know it like yeah sure the courtship between him and allison is weird obviously it is is weird because yeah. he's, he's older it's it's less weird than him and uh lena but like it's still weird but the way that she like it's it's not like she's wearing the um the dress. It's like oh she takes an interest in his models. So I was like, oh, okay yeah. So they they really do. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine them sitting with like um, fucking what's it the uh daddy strong, what's daddy strong's <laughs> name? 
Dad's Har- strong. Harwin or Lionel? L- Lionel. He's just sitting with Lionel and it's like, she likes my miniatures. And he's just like, bro, <laughs> you gotta marry this she girl. She doesn't. She's faking it. <laughs> my king, I swear. No, Lionel, she likes the statues. <laughs> she gave me a dragon. <laughs> right. So, uh, with all of that preamble out the way, um, you can see now, viewers, on why we do this podcast. Um, the the topic for today is really like fantasy has always had a reputation for being like really really problematic in terms of depictions of women, in terms of like handling uh, sort of feminist issues. Oftentimes, women are basically sidelined. In Lord of the Rings, pretty much it, it's basically just a dudes rock episode uh, for the most part. And Game of Thrones and uh, House of the Dragon are different in the sense that women do feature prominently. Now, granted, generally speaking, women are not like actively in like a fighting role, although there are some notable exceptions. But they actually feature prominently in terms of having characters, in terms of having character arcs, doing things. House of the Dragon, in particular, I think, is a show that really gets it in terms of discussing what it means to be a woman in a man's world. And um, yeah, we we gathered our uh, the Avengers of the, the Game of Thrones podcast world. So you we know, can talk the about the three this. Avengers. <laughs> how there's only three of them at any given time. Uh, yeah. So Callum, you said in the preamble that you were Team Black, and um, eh. Hillary, you said you were Team Green. Yeah. So why don't Hillary? Why don't you uh, start us off here? Do you think Game of uh, Sorry? Do you think House of the Dragon Hot D uh, does a good job of like? basically giving us female characters who are actual characters? Um, I would say sort of. Um, I feel like the characterization of Rhaenyra has been a little bit thin thus far. Mm. Like, I don't I, I don't feel like... Um, mm. For instance, with Alison, I can imagine her in different situations and understand how she would act and why she would act that way based on her own experiences and her characterization in the show. Um, I don't quite feel that way with Rhaenyra at this point. Well, I if I can uh, give my my I don't know why I'm going to say my two cents, but we started on this on this tre- uh, treacherous path, so I may as well finish it. Um, Rhaenyra, I think, is not feminist. Yeah, because Agreed. she is entirely self interested. But I think that she thinks she's feminist because she hides the selfish nature of of what she's doing under the guise of rebellion. Right. I would say, I mean, feminism as a concept obviously doesn't really exist within the universe anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think, I mean, I think one of the things that sort of makes House of the Dragon not necessarily funny, but like it's a, a good... Um, sort of send up of fantasy in the sense that like a lot of these people have no political knowledge whatsoever, especially Rhaenyra, like looking at Rhaenyra and having her ask her father to just like fix the problem every time something goes Mm. awry. um, It's so painfully obvious that she has been given zero preparation for the role that she's supposed to fulfill as the queen. Um, So, when it comes to social issues or political issues or any sort of ideology, I think she literally just doesn't have it. Yeah. 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 I, I think, well, look, if we can just take a step back for a second, I think it is somewhat unfair to try and latch these characters into modern feminism when they're mm-hmm. not in a modern society. You could really honestly say that none of them are feminist because... yeah. It's not like Alicent and Rhaenyra are fighting for power so that they can finally give women rights. They're doing it because they want power, and if they don't, they'll die. Right. Exactly. Yeah, there's uh, something, you know, it's like we're talking about, like, you know, modern values and stuff like that. I I distinctly remember, like, Sam trying to, in the end of spoilers for Game of Thrones, but, like, Sam was like, maybe we should do, like, a democracy, and everyone just laughed at him. (laughs) So there are such things as, like, material conditions, where it's, like, the society that exists, the material conditions of that society kind of, like, dictate what you can do. And to uh, to a large extent, I totally agree with both of you. It's like, yeah, women don't really have rights. The idea that a woman is a person <laughs> is uh, very, very right. far away from where Game, Game of Thrones actually is. But that being said, there is still an interesting conversation to be had because, like, 
uh, Rhaenyra is rebelling against the system. She's doing what she wants. And she causes a lot of friction with Alicent, who is continuously doing what she's told, you know, by men. Both of these women have men, father figures, their fathers, <laughs> who are kind of like failing them in different ways, you know, mm. with Otto, like basically just forcing his daughter to do a bunch of stuff. And Viserys just like ignoring her, <laughs> ignoring the fact that she's completely politically like incapable of like making, you know, being the queen that she's supposed to be, you know? Yeah. It's um, also... Yeah, I would... Oh, sorry. No, go no, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I would say that the notion of Rhaenyra as rebellious is an interesting one because she isn't following the rules that she is supposed to be, but she is saying that she is. Mm. Um, a huge aspect of her characterization and why things go so, like, go so far left with her character is because she does whatever she wants and then says that she was doing something else. Like, for instance, with her kids, saying that all of her kids are Leonor's sons when they're obviously not. Um, so she's not uh, bucking the system in the way that a lot of people tend to perceive her as. Because obviously we're seeing, you know, her internal experience and her experience that she's hiding from the world. But she's not making a show of trying to be different from what the expectations are she's simply saying that she's fulfilling the expectations when she actually isn't yeah and and to to bring alicent into this as well like it's interesting that that we say that alicent is sort of operating in inside of the the uh male-centric system while uh rhaenyra is operating outside of it quote-unquote but honestly alicent is has managed to just by following the rules gotten to a point of power in which she can change the rules she doesn't she chooses not to due to um i would say like what's the word when when you want someone to go through what you went through because you think that's fair uh i don't think there's a word for it but like yeah she's very proceduralist in the sense that like if i had to suffer you have to suffer yeah so it's less that um she's being controlled by the system anymore but obviously i mean obviously there are still people above her and everything but it's more that like she is now almost indoctrinated into the system and has the power to change it from the inside and somewhat does do that by exercising her power by making space just by uh in the subtle way of of controlling things from the background but it, it doesn't seem as like uh, rebellious as Rhaenyra does. Who Rhaenyra is also doing the same thing. She's just playing the system. Do you, do you guys think that Alicent's faith is an important part of why she holds true to the way part of like her character? Because a lot is made about the fact that she's a faithful believer of the Seven, whereas Rhaenyra is a believer in herself, <laughs> uh, principally, and you know maybe some old Valerian traditions, but not really a religious char character. What do you think? Um, as far as my perception of Alicent's piousness, I feel I don't necessarily feel like it's put on, but I feel like she as I think a lot of people overlook the fact that she is a daughter of House Hightower. Uh, House Hightower has existed in Old Town since literally before recorded history. Um, they've been in power there for ages. So with Alicent knowing that she's probably going to have to go up against Rhaenyra in the future, um, sort of uh, creating a stronger connection with things like the faith or the maesters is a huge political card that she has to play that she knows Rhaenyra doesn't. Um, so I think, I think there's probably an element of truth to her faith, but I think she's putting a big show on it because she wants their support when she uh, goes for the throne. Uh, that's interesting because uh, it is revealed fairly early on in the show that like Alicent's praying, uh, and I suppose you could interpret that to be that she's just doing that because that's what is expected of her. But uh, I think it is that she is religious. I don't disagree with you though. I do think she is sort of playing it up to to get more political power. But I do also think that she is quite religious, and that's why, for instance. Uh, Rhaenyra's relationship, potential relationship with Daemon early on was so uh, uh, infuriating Scandalous. to her. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's not only the biggest sin, 
but it's also the biggest sin. <laughs> it is kind of interesting that the Targaryens have ruled Westeros by the time of House of the Dragon for quite a while, relatively speaking, and by the time of Game of Thrones, they will have been in power for even longer. But they never were really able to supplant the baseline faith of the Westerosi, right? Well, what I, did the Targaryens no. believe in? Well, they have their own, basically their own, uh, Hillary, you feel free to, you know, you're the expert here, but feel free to correct me. But the uh, Targaryens... I mean, they believe in sort of themselves, that they are literally gods on Earth, or that yeah. they are uh, above yeah, that, normal humans. The Targaryens have like a religious belief that they're like a different type of human being. Um, you know, that they're descended literally from the dragons um, that they ride. And so they're... I mean, they don't have like a religious doctrine and that comes to bite them. Well, the, the fact that religion is like this major factor, because like religion was hugely important in the medieval world, right? In our own past. Um, mm -hmm. And the show kind of Game of Thrones kind of talked about it. I, I have to wonder if like maybe Alicent will use religion as like part of the war propaganda, because it's like, you know, the Westerosi could you see the Targaryen belief system as like a foreign one. And, you know, like Alicent is a faithful member of like the high towers and they're like you know the bastions of the faith or, like, so, like not, maybe... not even the belief system but just that the fact that uh rhaenyra and daemon are openly uh insulting the faith's tenants yeah yeah it, it's it's very unusual because you would expect the targaryen influence of their like religious practices because every other every time you have like for example the normans you know they conquered uh england and they're like a foreign ruling class they won like a couple well they, they won a few battles and basically supplanted the english ruling class and they really changed the character of english christianity by a lot <laughs> you know so it's kind of weird to me that the targaryens don't have that same like religious shift on the landscape you know they've always just kind of had to deal with the fact that the westerosi believe in something very different from them um and i i just um, think that's interesting yeah, well, it's interesting that you say that they've been ruling for a long time because, I mean, their ultimate reign winds up being, I think, a little under 300 years total, which in terms of the scale of Westerosi history is like almost nothing. If you look at uh, families like the Hightowers or the Starks or uh, the Strongs or the Gardeners, there's a lot of families that have existed and been a part of some sort of ruling class in Westeros for thousands of years. Um, so I think that, combined with the fact that the Targaryens really went out of their way to not assimilate to Westerosi culture mm. at all, um, that that sort of limited their influence and is a huge reason why they ultimately wound up being overthrown, is that even beside uh, their failings as rulers um they didn't marry uh, into westerosi houses a lot um they didn't assimilate to westerosi customs um it was it was very easy for the people of westeros to just sort of pluck them back out of the country because mm. they were so they had kept themselves separate for so long mm. yeah that's a that's an interesting point because like uh, in in terms of like the situation you know that we've got like the Targaryen political position at the end of the House of the Dragon is basically terminal, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, at the dance, at the end of the Dance of Dragons, like most of the major Targaryens are dead. They've lost all their dragons, pretty much. The dynasty is basically hanging on by a thread, um, and the fact that it's even able to persist after that civil war is quite telling. I think uh maybe just yeah. because the the dance was so destructive just to Westeros in 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 general but and then like... two generations later they do it all again <laughs> uh martin is very unsubtle about his themes about like people in power being like corrupt and not caring about like the the people below them right cuz yeah. we 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 talk about like how this is a like obviously one of the major issues with why this can't really be a feminist work is cuz the women of the kingdom are ultimately going to be the like when a city is sacked they're going to be the ones who are assaulted and abused and stuff like that you know it's generally speaking yeah. not the highborn women who have to suffer they have a different kind of indignity to suffer right they have different yeah. expectations and and conformities you know uh you were talking you know about like how you like sansa sansa is a great example of that she's a highborn woman and she's got to deal with a lot of problems but she and the lowborn woman have very different life experiences 
Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, it, you know, it's kind of like that in a way. Uh, I also wanted to get your guys' opinion, because, like, this is something that has really divided the fans, which is the proposal that Rhaenyra made to Alicent regarding marrying, um, I think it's Helena, to Jace. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So what do you guys think I about that? Opinion. All right. Let's okay. hear it. Uh, I can uh, support <laughs> this one uh, to start with. The notion that this was somehow a good solution to the problem that they were confronting makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever, um, because it doesn't solve the problem. Uh, the ultimate fundamental problem is that Viserys has trueborn sons, um, and that Jace, uh, Luke, and Joffrey are bastard children, and everyone is aware of that. Um, the offer to marry Helena and Jace reads to me almost like not necessarily a hostage situation, but it's like uh, forcing Allison and her side of the family to support Rhaenyra when things inevitably go sideways because people are probably going to challenge her claim um, uh -huh. or challenge her son's claim. Um, so if her son is married to her daughter, like then she would essentially have to, you know, uh, throw her daughter to the wind and let her daughter's life be destroyed if she wants to help her sons or support her sons claims in any way yeah, yeah i uh, count good thank you um i also think that like you said earlier this isn't going to solve everyone's problems this is going to solve all of rhaenyra's problems this is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> purely rhaenyra trying to kill uh two birds with one uh baby and it is not it, it, it it's not a good solution but viserys sees this as one because he he just wants everyone to be friends and he sees, right. like, if you swallow your pride on this and you just accept the solution, we'll be friends again. And that solves all of the problems, he says, while the Stepstones are on fire for the third time <laughs> in, like, ten years. Right. Yeah. The the fundamental issue that I have with this proposal, because I've seen a lot of discourse around it, and I don't understand why people are... Uh, okay, so, like, Martin, he, he makes a point about, like, you shouldn't, like, think about, like, these these struggles. You shouldn't get personally involved in them because ultimately they're political struggles by high-born people. And, you know, you, that's not how he wants you to think about politics, right? But obviously people will still get invested, right? This is a very deeply personal civil war. It's fun to do that kind of stuff. But I think people who are supporting Rhaenyra's plan don't actually understand what the enormity is that she's proposing because basically Alicent knows that the kids, Jace, uh, the, the strong boys, are not legitimate. Everyone knows this, that they're not legitimate. If they do become legitimized by that marriage, right, where Alison's like, I accept your marriage because I, you know, have to, you know, I can't marry a illegitimate kid or whatever, that just puts everyone in danger. <laughs> because not only uh, are their claims invalid or up to at least being challenged, you know, uh, but it doesn't, you know, like fundamentally resolve the... The, the problem because like you know other people will have a right to to, to challenge those people and it, it doesn't it doesn't really fix the issue because no because the ultimate issue is no one is going to get around the fact that Rhaenyra's kids are not legitimate that's like the right. the thing that hangs over everyone else is that Rhaenyra she 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 like you know maybe she would have picked a concubine <laughs> a, a, a boy toy who had like darker skin maybe that would have been uh, able to you know mask the deception but she fell in love with with Harwin Strong and the strong well, kids are very obviously his. <laughs> I mean, love is a strong word, Emilio. They're they're clearly <laughs> affectionate towards each other, but I mean, she died in the fire, and she honestly doesn't seem that upset about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, <laughs> I guess that's a little weird. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that is. I guess that is true. Uh, do you do you think that? Yeah, do you think she just like moved on super quickly or is she just like, oh, this situation is volatile. It's time to hook up with my uncle. <laughs> I, I think... Um, I... Sorry. Yeah, you go ahead. I think Rhaenyra is and always has been attracted to physical power over projected power. So mm. she doesn't respect Viserys. Viserys. Don't know why I said it weirdly. Uh, because <laughs> his power is all like implied it's institutional yeah whereas king, she, but she respects daemon because daemon can swing a sword good and he has a <laughs> dragon you know so i i think yeah. she's she's very much more attracted to like physical power and and when harwin isn't like near her it not only like frees up her situation it, it like she she won't have him nearby to um 
Well, it, it doesn't really, because the implication is that he left because people found out about their affair. But, like, also, he's not there anymore, so eventually people might forget. But also, it's kind of like object permeance, I think, where she sort of finds the next powerful thing and sort of tries to get in league with it. Not necessarily get intimate with it, but, like, get get it on it, her side. W- yeah, what do you I think, Hillary? My perception, um, Rhaenyra's a character, I feel like her emotions are hard to get kind of a read on, and I would tend to agree, I don't necessarily know if she's attracted to power, or if she just sort of seems to, like, do whatever she wants to do, and, like, without forethought whatsoever, um, so... I agree that the notion of sort of her lack of object permanence that like once Harwin was gone, she just wasn't like that bothered about it for some reason. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't think that she, I obviously think based on her reaction, she probably was not in love with him. Um, but I don't think she's necessarily I don't get the vibe she's in love with Damon either. Like she doesn't seem that into him. Mm, uh, yeah, that's an interesting point. Maybe the trauma of like because she saw that her mom and dad loved each other. Like, if if you can say anything about Viserys and, and Emma, they did love each other. Their relationship wasn't the best, but they loved each other. And maybe when she saw her mother die, essentially at the hands of her father's, like, selfish desires, she kind of got a trauma response to the idea of being in love with someone. Oh, yeah. yeah it's that like, would not surprise me. Like, being in love with someone gives them power over you, that type of thing. Or, or like, yeah. you're... Even even to a different degree, being in love with someone gives you power over them, and people are fragile. Mm. Yeah, I think it. I think it's really interesting. One of the dichotomies that has been brought up in the show House of the Dragon is that like men and women are both like subjugated in a way by the feudal society, the feudal patriarchal society of Westeros. Men, in the sense that like boys have to be trained from a young age to kill people. You've got to like. If you're a man, you have to be willing to like go into the battlefield and do violence and stuff like that. And if you're not good at that, then you're not really a man, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a lot was made of that duel between the Blackwood and the Bracken. <laughs> and and Which, also yeah. the fact that Laris has to sit with all the women. Yeah, yeah. He can't Laris, participate in the hunt. Yeah, Laris is not. Laris is also a great example because like he's not an eight. He's not a typical man. He's a schemer. He's not right? an alpha. Yeah, and <laughs> and the show. <laughs> And Game of Thrones has shown us that, like, men who don't fit into the mold of what it means to be a man have to resort to other things. Like, you know, we've got Varys, who's an eunuch, uh, Tyrion, who's a dwarf. You know, you've got those men on the fringes who are, like, trying to do power in a non-typical way. Because they're not like Jamie or John who can just, like, put on some armor and go fight. Um, yeah, and all the men who do conform are fucking miserable. <laughs> I mean, Ned yeah, is like sure. one of the most honorable characters in in all of Game of Thrones, and he is tortured and miserable all the goddamn time. <laughs> well, you know, you, you you also have people like Oberyn. Uh, I also quite like Oberyn uh, as a character, but he's he's very happy and he's very fr- and that's probably because of like Dorne. The cultural values of Dorne are very different, uh, which is probably yeah. a, a subject for another podcast, which I would be down to do. Uh, but. The, the point that I was getting at is, like, on the other side of that spectrum is that you've got women, right? And like, the, the, the thing for women is, like, all right, your big danger is the, the birthing chamber, right? You know, you've got to uh, produce the child. You know, you've got to, uh, uh, you know, uh, have, have, have the baby and, and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, you live, you're living in a society where, like, people don't believe in the germ theory of disease. Childbirth is dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Childbirth is dangerous nowadays, you know, with all of our medical technology and stuff like that. And, and we even know. stopped using chainsaws on it. <laughs> that was the original yeah. purpose of the chainsaw, by the way, to aid in childbirth. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, that, that's how they cut through the pelvic bone. Oh, my God. Oh, yep. Why and did you cut through the pelvic bone to... Because we're fucking oh stupid. <laughs> And then we were just like, man, this keeps killing a lot of women. I wonder if it would work on a tree. <laughs> and then it did. I wish I was lying or oh, joking or whatever. This is not a bit. The deep lore of mankind is deeply cursed. Yeah. <laughs> Let's keep talking like, about dragons. Whoever's like writing the Wikipedia, like the galactic Wikipedia page for mankind is just like constantly dealing with the editors like, no, you made that up. Humans no, this didn't do that. truly <laughs> cannot be true. 
<laughs> they uh, had yeah, just... three world wars. <laughs> oh no, okay. <laughs> don't, don't give us foreshadowing. <laughs> right. I, I have to. It's my yeah. character. Yeah, but like, uh, so to sort of circle back, the point is that like, yeah, childbirth is like the woman's battlefield, you know, like, and from a very young age, Rhaenyra was like, oh, her mom was going to die in childbirth. And there was like no debate about it. There was nothing that could be done. It was, she was going to die anyway, or they would try to save the baby. And that must be horrific, right, to have to deal with. And because, you know, she's a woman and, uh, you know, uh, she has to deal with that reality as well. It's like, you know, she's going to eventually have to give birth. And, you know, she doesn't want to be in that situation. I feel like that, like, really drives her. Whereas Alicent, Alicent doesn't really have that same, like, situation. You know, I think yeah. the, the show even points out, like, Alicent has a very easy childbirth, right? The, the baby's uh, just you know, falling out of her. Yeah, the, the baby's just falling. It's like, oh, <laughs> the yeah. The most horrible thing I've said on this video yet. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think that's really interesting uh, because the show actually is, in, in a way, like, that is one of the core, like, feminist ideas. Like, the women's liberation really does involve them being liberated from that expectation of childbirth, but it's, like, placed on Rhaenyra, and she responds to it in a very different way than Alison does, because she has these affairs, and she does all of these, you know, wacky things that in, in gender, uh, in, endangers the kingdom, but Alison just, like, is with Viserys, even though it's clear mm. that they don't, they're not like into it, you know, not necessarily yeah. like it, it's a duty for them to do, but they're not like into it. It's a marriage uh, of convenience, but it's also a marriage where they like respect the marriage. Yeah, it's like you could get the sense that these two people, they respect each other. Viserys is not like hitting Alicent, right? Yeah, you know, he's, he's not yeah. doing that. He's but not it's a like, dick. It's just that he's not really into it. He, he still loves Emma. She doesn't love him, really. Oh, that uh, scene where he walks past her at, at Lena's funeral and he calls her Emma. Yeah, right. broke my heart. <laughs> yeah, well, Lena is also a good example. Right? She, at the best, the best that she can get is to go out in dragon fire, but she still dies, right? Because childbirth is a, mm. a, a crazy thing. How how much do you feel that really factors in to the way that the character Rhaenyra's character is, uh, Hillary? Um, that she's afraid of like this this power that dying like her mother, basically dying like her mother. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would say, I mean, there is a really interesting sort of subtext to her having bastards with Harwin Strong, because that obviously puts her in a situation where what was done to her mother literally cannot happen to her, right? Because Harwin Strong doesn't have the right to say, uh, I want you to, you know, try to save the baby. I want you to do whatever without Rhaenyra's consent. It puts her in complete control of that situation anyway um yeah and and Leonor is gay and he he can't he can't come out and say you know he can't really challenge her because she could always just be like you know he's actually gay therefore he couldn't you know the the marriage is illegitimate or something yeah you know? and that that's also why she was so mad at him for naming her son right because it takes the power away from her yes um and well and even she wouldn't even necessarily have to tell the truth. I mean, if you look at what just happened to Vaiman Valerian, he was literally just saying what the truth was, right? And mm. he wound up getting very brutally killed uh, because of that. Because uh, oh, he can Sarah keep his always... tongue. <laughs> Damon, right. Damon Targaryen did a classic Morbius. <laughs> yeah, um, it's interesting because they slightly altered that aspect mm. from the book to the show. Um, mm. In the books, Rhaenyra actually orders that Vaemon be killed and then feeds mm. him to Cyrax. Oh. Um, right. Yeah, but that's <laughs> yeah. CGI. So, right. Um, so she's in a position of power over the men that she's with, at least up until when she marries Damon. Um, even though I guess she is, I mean, given that she is supposed to be the heir and he's supposed to be the consort, that still puts her in a position of power over him, relatively speaking. Um, so yeah, I would say that that uh, there is some uh, theoretical weight to the idea that she is doing a lot of what she does literally because she just doesn't want to be her mother and doesn't want to die like her mother did. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Allison doesn't have to do that. You know, presumably she doesn't have that same relationship with her mother, but also just like, well, cause her mom's pretty dead, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's a different type of dynamic that you've got going on you know um it also you know this this has reminded me it's like something that is also quite divisive i think in terms of like the discourse is like the discourse around Kristen cole 
how do you guys feel about his character and like how do you how do you feel about his reaction to Rhaenyra and, and, and spurning his is a plan to go to uh, Bravos and become like a random people you know uh, how do you feel about that he okay he reacts very poorly to um, Rhaenyra basically suggesting the same thing he did but the other way around uh not in the sense that they leave and go off together but that uh he drops all of his like principles and and ideals and stuff the same way that he asked her to do that like five seconds ago and then he like screams and cries at her but i do which is fucking pathetic but i do kind of also get the whole this is literally all he has to his name and he screwed it up and now he's looking for some way out and he is a a knight, which is essentially someone who makes of their business out of doing violence. Violence is the only thing he knows how to do good, and that's not going to help him get out of this one. Um. Yeah, I would say that my perception of Kristen, um, I think that people... I mean, I think that his experience with Rhaenyra is obviously traumatic in some way um obviously she's in a position of power over him and as you said he sort of gives up everything that matters to him uh forsakes that for the sake of their relationship that she doesn't seem to be particularly invested in um and given like given his interaction with allison when he tells her the truth he's literally expecting to be tortured and killed so to have that sort of weight like hanging over you and then have uh, Joffrey Lawnmouth confront you over it and uh, not to say that Kristen's reaction was remotely rational, but um, it's more understandable from the perspective of like we're talking about something that could literally mean the end of his life and from a psychological standpoint is a massive um, disconnect that he has between the person that he wants to be and the ideals that he has versus the person that he has been because of his relationship with Rhaenyra. And, and, yeah, it, and I, oh. it, that's the episode where um, Viserys... It's after or before that episode where Viserys is, like, talking about was he a good king, right? Mm-hmm. So around that time, it the show brings in this idea of, like, legacy. If Kristen Cole is tortured and killed for despoiling his uh night his what's it called king's guard oaths then yeah that is his legacy that's what gets written in the white book and that's it for all time mm. and this is the highest honor anyone from his house has ever like received the amount of pressure yeah. on this man to do good is insane yeah, I think uh, both of you are touching on some really interesting points. I think Kristen Cole for me is a very interesting character because in loads of other fantasy stories, like Kristen, someone like Kristen Cole would actually kind of maybe even be like a protagonist type figure, right? Yeah, uh, because he's the underdog knight who rose. He did like he did the thing that knights are supposed to do. He beat Damon in a in a duel, <laughs> in a joust. Yeah, he beat and, the big dragon man. Yeah, yeah, he beat Damon right. Targaryen, who is not by any means a slouch in combat, and he beat him in a fight, which is like the ultimate uh, symbolism of like masculinity, right? You know, we're, we're talking about like how, you know, we're, we're talking about sort of like patriarchal norms. Cole is in a large extent a victim of the patriarchal norm because he's only ever been taught that he needs to show his worth by violence. He does the thing that he's supposed to do. He, he wins the bite. He, he, and then Rhaenyra picks him to be King's God, which is not a decision that anyone was expecting, right? She picked him ostensibly because, you know, the reason he gave is because she he actually has fighting experience. He's actually been in combat, so presumably he's a good fighter. But really, she picks him because, you know, you get the undercurrent that, like, she doesn't want to just have another knight who's going to walk around who's like a political appointment, you know, who's someone that right. is there for, like, the political value. She wants someone that she feels like she can talk to. And they do have, like, some, like... Uh, some relatable aspects in the sense that they're sort of almost outsiders in a way. But like, as you said, uh, Hillary, there's a huge power imbalance between the two of them, right? Yeah, but there's uh, also like, a, a huge, like, in the moment, Rhaenyra is way younger than Kristen. Mm, yeah. And in that moment, in their bedroom, when they're, you know, it's just the two of them, 
The idea that she is more powerful than him politically, I feel doesn't factor into moment-to-moment decision-making there. So I I don't know if if her Mm. political power over him, because it's not like she threatened him. She just, like, fucked around for a bit, and then he found out. But right, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, it, I think the entire notion of uh, sort of consenting in the world of Westeros is interesting in this lens because y- you sort of have to ask yourself how much consent is possible when the class stratification is so high, and when basically like you're on a rung of a ladder, right? And the person who is above you can just decide that you die, right? Because they want that to happen to you um it's not necessarily that simple but the level of power that people exert over each other uh i think raises an interesting question about like uh can these people ever have a real relationship uh that isn't coercive in some way yeah i yeah like obviously i think there is some element of coercion between the fact that Kristen is definitely much older. I think in the books, Kristen is meant to be a bit younger. They're Rhaenyra and Kristen are meant to be closer in age. I, I can't necessarily well, also confirm in the, that. In in the books, uh, Kristen says no, and Rhaenyra gets sex lessons from her uncle. Ooh, <laughs> on an <laughs> island somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's just. But that's mushroom. He's just like, yeah, that's happened. And then the, uh, and then he says that Kristen Cole spurned her. Mushroom is a nasty boy, right. but yeah, but 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 to to go continue with your point, Hillary. Like, yeah, I I totally do think there are actually some like Kristen must be thinking in his mind. Okay, oh shoot, I'm in this position. What do I do? If I say no, what is she gonna do? Is she gonna tell her dad that I like tried to touch her? You know, are they, are they gonna? Is she gonna be upset with me? <laughs> Can I punch it, it, all of them? Will punching <laughs> all of them work? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm not, I don't, again, I don't want to excuse his actions because I think that the fact that he, he basically just, he, he's ex- so ex- uh, unable to process his emotions that he kills a man, you know, is, again, it's toxic masculinity. But like, yeah. I kind of have to wonder, like, yeah, maybe those things were going in his mind when he's like, oh, shoot, now I have to do this. But if I don't do this, maybe I'll, you know, face punishment. But if I do do this, I'll give up my oath. You know, I, I think it, it was an unwinnable position from the start, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, and so... The fact that Kristen became what he was, you know, like, how do you guys feel about his, like, character arc, you know, later on, where he's, like, basically Allison's sort of, like, loyal knight, in a way. Her you know, he hound. trains the kids. Her hound, yeah. He trains the kids to fight. And he did a good job, because Eamon apparently is a badass with a sword. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Kristen Cole's a good at fighting. He's a good at fighting, but, um... He is. Yeah, that's, like, the whole deal, so... It's not like he's unqualified to be there. He's just also kind of a a chode. Yeah, he handled the whole... He he dwelled on it. I think his crime is that he dwelt on it. Because it's clear that Rhaenyra didn't really think about him that much. He didn't mean much to her. But that's Uh, the thing. Like, to answer your question, that's why I think it's so perfect that he uh, is with Alicent. Because she's also dwelling on all this. I think I just punched my microphone. Anyway, um... (laughs) You were the Kristen Cole this entire (laughs) time. No! Don't give it away. Um, uh, Alicent and and Kristen are both stewing in like envy and regret mm. and uh, trapped in a system that they. I don't even know if they believe it's right, but they definitely don't think they can go outside of it. And then they see mm. Rhaenyra, who goes outside of it willy nilly all the fucking time whenever she wants. And they hate her for it, and they just stew in that, and that's what causes like Allison to almost stab the princess, and mm. Kristen to be like this. But you can also see the hesitation. Like Kristen, I don't think Kristen wants to be like this because when Allison t- tells him to go and cut out one of Rhaenyra's son's eyes, he's just like, no, he just doesn't. He can't do it. Um, I think that. I understand Allison and Kristen's relationship is one of the most interesting aspects of the show to me because mm. they have very much been they're people who have done literally everything right. Mm. Um obviously aside from Kristen having a relationship with Rhaenyra, um he has done the best that he possibly could within the society. He's followed all the rules and he's done what he's supposed to do. 
Same thing with Allison. She married someone that she's not in love with. She gave him four children. Um, of varying quality. Loyal... <laughs> right. She's been a loyal, dutiful wife. Um, you have to give and... him sponge baths. I know, right? Um, the leprosy and... body. I mean, I wouldn't mind. He could tell me about his cool figurines. Yeah, but he had, he had, she had to deal with him when he was, like, basically decomposing. Yeah, but it's like, you know, when you get sunburned and you have dry skin and you peel it off, but it's like that on someone else. Just, ooh, yeah. what's under here? And then you nah. just keep going until <laughs> there's a hole in your face. Yeah, Viserys has crackling. Ooh, Ugh. it's a right. bubble, human bubble wrap. Yes. Yeah, enjoy that image, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, from that perspective, I understand their relationship in that, like, they have done what they're supposed to and have been basically discarded by the people who are more powerful <laughs> than they are. Mm -hmm. um, so I understand, A, why they would connect with each other, because they sort of want to mm -hmm. believe, like, uh, you know, that all of the things that they have had to go through is for a reason, aside from yeah. some other person who was more powerful than them, just wanting what they want from them and then tossing them to the side later. Yeah, it's a trauma response. It's right. it's interesting that like the characters obviously you know again it's going back to material conditions it's like no one thinks that the system is to blame really I think that's actually for me something that's very interesting like Kristen Cole and Allison both go through terrible Rhaenyra everyone basically goes through these terrible moments right uh, Allison you know is forced into a marriage she doesn't really want uh, to have kids etc Kristen you know all of his stuff. Uh, Rhaenyra, you know, uh, being uh, subjected to all the political machinations of other people. It's like everyone is forced into the system, but like no one thinks that there's even anything outside of it. Well, you know, right? But that might not be. Um, that that might be intentional. Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's like they're blinding. It's like how no one says out loud, "Viserys is this way because of power." Because the chair ruined him. Because yeah. the stress and the the everything of being in charge when he knows he isn't qualified, where he knows he doesn't fit here, like, that destroyed him. No one says that out loud, because if they do, it'll call into question why they want it. Yeah. I, I also think it's like... Uh, correct me, Hillary, if I'm mistaken, but I don't think there's, like, a way for a monarch in Westerosi society to, like, abdicate the throne, Right. Because um, um, I don't think I, anyone has ever abdicated yeah, it now. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, everyone wants this thing, you know. As Colin said, everyone wants this thing, right? To to not want this thing is to like be a fundamental like uh, paradigm shift of society. And so, like, no one is capable of really thinking that there is an alternative to the way that they're being treated. That instead of projecting all of their hatred onto Rhaenyra as this Joker esque uh, villainess who's just doing whatever she wants. <laughs> Uh, the reality is everyone's hurting because they <laughs> because they're in a system that compels them to hurt other people. You know, as you said, Hillary, it's like, yeah, we have these power dynamics and it's like, is it even possible to consent? Like, is it even possible for people to consent in these types of power games that we've got? You know, like, I don't know. I, I, I think it's a legitimately interesting question because uh, to challenge these assumptions is to challenge Westerosi society and the entire way that the whole place has been set up. And like... There's a reason why everyone laughed at Sam when he was like, oh, maybe we should do a democracy. And that's because it, people just don't believe that there are alternatives. No one, no one really thinks that there are ways outside of this feudal, violent, uh, patriarchal order. Uh, even people who are ostensibly, you know, uh, trying to maybe buck the system a little bit, like Rhaenyra, still thinks that she should be queen. It's not like she's like, oh, you know, I'll take power and then institute it. No, she, she wants to be queen, right? She thinks she has the right to. She thinks she doesn't fundamentally think the system is wrong. It's just she thinks the system is slightly in need of adjustment. Not that like male, not like monarchy is bad, but male primogenitor is bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I do want I mean, to just, oh, sorry. Oh, no. Well, she doesn't think that male primogenitor is bad because she makes arguments for her sons that they should, ah, right. uh, for instance, get driftmark because of male primogeniture. She just thinks that she should be the exception to that standard. Yeah, mm. it's a callback to your earlier point, where it's like she she does things that are against the rules, and then she acts like that. That was like she's the rule all fundamentally <laughs> selfish, but she cares enough about appearance that uh, she tries to hide it under like nobility. 
Right. But here's the thing, and that that brings me to a point I want to make, where we talk about like why Alicent and Kristen are so different, because, and this is going to sound a bit weird, because Alicent is a noble lady. They are, they started this whole journey lower on the rungs than say Damon and Rhaenyra, because even even though Alicent's uh, not. She's nobility. She's not royalty. Damon and Rhaenyra are royalty. They've been royalty their entire lives. They've always lived in a world where the system bows to them. And so maybe that is why, like, Kristen and Alison can't see their way out of the system and have to work within it because they, they've never known anything else. That, that's been their entire life. Whereas Rhaenyra and Damon keep, like bucking the system off in their own weird selfish self-congratulatory way because that's just how it works for them because the system bends to who they are not what they do yes um so i think an interesting aspect obviously of house of the dragon is that um when we're talking about people who can't see a point of view or a possibility outside of the system we're talking about a story that focuses on the people who literally create created the system in the first place (laughs) Um, right so it makes sense that they would sort of be uh, a part of that and um the thing one of the most interesting aspects uh especially like to your note about daemon and rhaenyra always being royalty um beyond that they are the king's favorite which influences almost everything like that Mm -hmm. being subjected ultimately every single person's fate in Westeros comes down to the King's whims. Right. Mm -hmm. So being his favorite is fantastic. Like, obviously you can look at someone like Aemon. He is a prince. He is a a trueborn son of Viserys and he has a pretty horrible injustice happen to him um, when he's mutilated and then essentially blamed for his own, uh, Disability, like, uh, yeah, and um, that gets gets... swept under the rug immediately when the like legitimacy of Rhaenyra's sons gets brought up, right? Exactly, and and he is put in a position. One of my favorite aspects of the way that they have handled Aemond in the show is that you can understand his character literally in like five minutes. That entire scene of him when he loses his eye and they have that whole argument completely illustrates who he is who he becomes and you can see him become it in that instant because he does the calculus of what is happening he sees you know um that no one is defending him besides his mother and that his mother was telling the truth and um if he tells the truth about her then she could possibly suffer for it so he literally has something unimaginably traumatic happened to him and he immediately has to take it on the chin in order to protect his own family from his father which is insane um but again it shows how much uh everything goes down to viserys's whims and who he likes more than anyone else yeah and yeah just just to like quickly touch on Aemond as well uh i love how he you also get to see that he's not above doing something really like dirty even against the people he doesn't like, because he immediately uh, makes it seem like Aegon was the the bad guy, <laughs> and it's just like he. This is a vengeful child, but I, uh, yeah, I I really like Aemon Targaryen. I think he's my favorite Targaryen psychopath because uh, I to- I got- I understand his character perfectly. Like you said, you and everything you need to know about Aemon, you can see in like a five minute clip. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but I also really like the fact that he's super driven and like, to me, he, he, like the most interesting villains are villains that have redeemable qualities. And to me, Aemon has like, out of all of the, the different, uh, out of all of Viserys' kids with Alicent, I think, uh, Aemon is probably the one that embodies like some of the best and worst aspects of like the Targaryen lineage, you know? Yeah. And uh, I mean, we, is... we were, we were talking about like how Kristen Cole could be a protagonist earlier. Aemon could be a protagonist like he he literally it doesn't have a dragon up until the end of his childhood basically and then he gets one and he loses an eye for it yeah he gets the biggest dragon and you know obviously the losing the eye symbol is is that's the like popular mythology you know odin trades an eye for knowledge uh yeah. and and aemon basically 
from what I understand, and we're, we're getting close to, to wrapping this up, uh, but like from what I understand, Amund is literally like the reason why the Greens have as much of a, a shot as they do in the, in the Dance of the Dragons, because yeah. he's got Vagar, and he's really good at fighting, and uh, the other side can't really... So yeah, to, 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 wrap, to begin to wrap this podcast up, I've, I had a lot of fun. Um, if you guys at home uh, would like us to do this again, I'd be more than... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Before we uh, end, I have a fun sentence I want to say. Yes. Uh, they banished Damon so many times they should put install a fucking revolving door on the Red Keep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, Boom. Is he, is that meme with, like, Barney, uh, with Mo from The Simpsons yeah. trying to throw Barney out of the, the tavern, and Damon's just like, no, no, no. Yep. <laughs> I'm just going to get a haircut. <laughs> And waltz back in, and um, <laughs> and he's basically Kratos at this point, like escaping Hades. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I did want to actually ask you guys. So, like, uh, Hillary, you're Team Green, and uh, Caleb, you're tenuously Team Black. No. So, okay, you're you're Team Nobody. I like Team Green more. I just also <laughs> there are people in there that I don't like, and there's mm. some people in Team Black I do like. I want to watch this. I don't want to participate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, Hillary, for you, what what is the appeal of Team Green? Um, mostly because I understand um, Allison as a character. Mm. I feel like her motivations, her even in the books, obviously, Fire and Blood is extremely light on character development. We're literally talking about a book that is written from the perspective of an in-universe character who is getting at the best secondhand information about things that happened mm -hmm. um and that's being filtered through his own lens yeah. of uh yeah perception. his biases yeah but yes um for me i feel like not necessarily that she was forced to make the choices that she did but her choices make complete sense within the context of the broader world. And I feel like it's extremely weird that so many people sort of act like, you know, um, if Allison had just done one thing different or if she just made this choice or if she just, you know, surrendered everything to Rhaenyra and Daemon, um, everything would have been fine. And she's completely responsible for the war, which mm. I think is insane. Um Again, I understand from her perspective that these are her children. They are always going to be a rival to Rhaenyra. Um, so she either has the option of tr trusting the life of her entire family in Rhaenyra's hands when she is extremely, you know, all over the place. She just decides whatever she does in the moment and doesn't really care. I, um, I think in the books, uh, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in the books... Lenor is actually murdered by Rhaenyra, or she wants him to have, to be murdered. And no, in the it, TV show, they it's implied they, that he's murdered. Ah, yeah, it's implied that he's murdered. But in the TV show, it, they they um, they fake Switched his death. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, it, it, I I totally agree. Rhaenyra is not like the most merciful person in the world. No, she <laughs> yeah. literally does that because she wants people to think that she she murdered Lenor. Yeah. So. So for you, it's it's a matter of like she has more relatable motives, and I think that's perfectly fine, right? Uh, I also I make no you know bones about it that I also quite like uh, Team Green. Uh, I, I I think Team Green is more interesting characters. I really like Elena. I think she's uh, just the most precious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's so precious. I think that's a universally accepted thing that she is like the everyone loves her. Nothing bad should ever happen to her, and it's horrible that so many things are going to happen to her yep yeah. yep she is perfect and brilliant and i hope they smuggle her off to bravos yeah yes exactly and switch her out for a fake that would be great yeah uh fake. I, i'm i'm fake also on, on team green now because team green i've just realized has three of like my favorite characters including as the fourth one now alicent i was convinced <laughs> But um, yeah, well, this is the power of uh, Hills Alive's videos. Uh, she can come yeah. at you with the outside angle and convince you of something. I, uh, but I, yeah, just I do love Otto. I do love Laris, and you know what? Uh, uh, what's his name? The uh, eye patch man. Amon. Oh, Amon. Amon, <laughs> Amon you're yeah. a fucking weirdo creep incel, but I love you too. Uh, yeah. Well, you know. Uh, I really personally empathize with Allison's struggles because, you know, I've had some frustrations of my own. It's like I felt like I was doing everything that I was supposed to, uh, but it didn't necessarily work out, you know, in my favor. And that's, I think, a lesson that people have to learn about life. 
but you know, I, I, I think she's the more relatable character uh, personally. And I, I also think that like, yeah, the system that Rhaenyra wants to propose is completely untenable. If she does win and normalizes basically the standard, then I think it, it's like completely inevitable that the Targaryen dynasty would collapse. But, you know, obviously we know what's going to happen. But like if Alicent makes is able to stabilize the situation, then I do think that like the dynasty would continue. Uh, but mm. I also really like the color green. So Yeah, I really hope we find out how the, the one thing I want to come out of the show, because I know it's going to end well. Like, it's been going well. I think it's going to end well. I really hope we find out how uh, the Baelish family gets a hold of Viserys' dagger. Oh, yeah. That's like a oh, right. weird... That's yeah. like a weird... Never, just like... <laughs> Maybe they trade it. Maybe it's like a, we will give you this Valerian artifact if you support our cause. Yeah, it could be. Interesting. I, it, it's, one, it's definitely one of those things that like also kind of makes some of the elements of Game of Thrones feel a little weird. Like, they've had that dagger for years. How long? And they never once, like, you just know, had put it, it in the fire for a while. You know, they never had it where it's like, oh, I'm just like cook slicing this ham, and uh, you know, just put the knife down while I like take no, the ham out. No, you of don't them. understand. It's the medieval times. They don't cook ham, Emilio. We just get salmonella. <laughs> you take it like a man. Uh, but also, I do kind of hate the prophecies in the show. Like, I'm not super into the Song of Ice and Fire as a prophecy. I don't mm. think it's interesting or cool. Uh, I can see why they did it. I don't like it, but I think it's also not lingered on it long enough for it to ruin the show. Yeah, I think it's mostly just a political drama. Like, I feel like e- the I feel like even if the 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 prophecy wasn't known to anyone, uh, I still think the motivations for why the dance happens are like very grounded in like personal issues. You know, because uh, it was inevitable. The minute one of these situations is going to show up, it was completely inevitable, right? Mm. That the Targaryen dynasty would self-destruct in this kind of way. You know, very this... much like this video is now self-destructing. Thank you very much for being here, everybody. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> my name is you... Callum, pronouns he, him. Does everyone want to introduce themselves the last time before we go? Yeah, uh, I'm your host, Emilio, pronouns he, him. Uh, and I'm Hillary. My channel is Hills Alive. I'm she, her. Yeah, yeah. All the links to Hillary's channel will be in the description. Uh, please go check it out. Uh, go watch the video about Fagon. Uh, that's my. That's uh, I'm like a Fagon truther now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, keep your eyes on our channel as well because we've got another big project hopefully coming out uh, soonish. And please go and check out our various links. You can join our Discord. You can go and find everything on our channel. And if you want to subscribe, I mean, like, I wouldn't blame you. This was yeah, a pretty yeah. good episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you, you would like us to do more, like, stuff, I'm I'm totally down. Uh, yeah. Tell us what you want. Tell me what you want. You've been a great uh, yeah, guest. Yeah, I'm down. I'm yeah. always down to talk uh, a song of ice and fire. Oh. A world of ice and fire. I'll, I'll suggest this after the video, but I have a fun idea. Anyway, thanks for watching. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.